Welcome to Living Faith Lutheran Podcast. I'm Pastor Scott Martz. Visit us online at living-faith.church or in person every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the Midlothian Conference Center, Number 1 Community Circle Drive, Midlothian, Texas, 76065. And now be encouraged by this week's message. Now it's the time to take out the Living Faith Notes, the, the full insert in your worship bulletin. As you're doing so, I want to welcome those who are listening via podcast or, or watching online uh, via our website. So we are well into this sermon series during Lent called U-Turn, which is all about repentance. And this morning, our text is Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Uh, listen now to the, to the Word of God. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we, if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us good, do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Several weeks ago, as we began this U-Turn series, I I shared with you something that happened a couple years ago. We were in Phoenix, living there at the time, and I was driving on the Interstate I-10, and I was in the westbound lane, and as you recall, on the other side of the concrete barrier separating east and west, there's a car going my same direction, which means either I'm going the wrong way or he's going the wrong way, And I'm telling you, I was not going the wrong way. Wrong way driver. And it was just frightening, terrifying. Because we know the end results of wrong way drivers. Cars around me honking their horn, trying to get the guy's attention. He just keeps on driving. And I told you what I did. I pulled over the next exit. I called 911. And I asked you, would you know what to do? if you saw a a wrong way driver. And we're applying this in a spiritual way. The Bible says, as God looks down from heaven, not just from a distance, but as he sees all of our lives, by nature, we are all going the wrong way. That's our nature, to go the wrong way. God sees wrong way drivers all the time. Now, again, spiritually speaking, if you know of someone 
And the context here is a fellow Christian who is caught in a sin. They're going the wrong way. Would you know what to do? You might say, well, call 911. I'll, I'll call the pastor. Right? The pastor knows what to do. Now, I, I, I obviously have been a part of this and, and, and bringing in love, attention to those going the wrong way. But I'm telling you this morning that God is calling you as a Christian to help those who are going the wrong way, to lead them to repentance. And, and that's really going to be our focus today, leading others to repentance. Now, we're in Galatians chapter 6. It's, it's the, the final chapter. And, and Paul is wrapping up his letter to them. And in this section, uh, he's, there, there isn't necessarily a connection being some, between some of these things that he's saying. Again, he's wrapping it all up. The overall context, though, is Christian freedom. In, in, in chapter 5, uh, Paul writes this, verse 1, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a a yoke of slavery. Excuse me. Um, Christian freedom was being under attack in that congregation. And basically what was happening, there was a group of people within that Christian congregation who weren't Christian. They said they were, but they were changing the gospel. Basically they were saying that to get to heaven... Believe that Jesus died for your sins, and you must obey all the laws of Moses, including the ceremonial laws and the civil laws. And if you don't follow those laws, you're not saved. And and Paul, he makes it very clear. He comes down very hard on these false teachers saying, that's not the gospel. That's no gospel at all. We are saved by grace. What Jesus did, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, grace alone are we saved. We are set free through him. Don't go back and make yourselves a slave again to sin and a slave to the law. So Paul is addressing the Judaizers, again, who were adding to God's word and came up with a different gospel. However, there's another side of the coin. We're saved by grace. That's incredible. But there are those who will say, okay, if I don't do anything to add to my salvation, and and God will just make a blanket forgiveness of my sins, why not just sin all the more? right? Sin all the more because God's grace will cover my sin. And and Paul gives an equally uh, strong warning. Do not use grace as a license to sin. If you use grace as a license to sin, it's problematic. Now, In in, uh, verses 7 through 9, Paul puts it this way. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And and Paul talks about what is called the law of the sower and the seed. A farmer who sows seed in the ground, initially uh, on the surface, nothing's changed. 
on the surface for weeks. Nothing has changed, so it appears. But in the ground, change is happening. Within a couple weeks, those seeds are, are germinating. Right? They're beginning to grow. And, and, and after a few more weeks, they begin to sprout. And if you followed all the way through the growing cycle, after several months, whatever was planted is ready to be harvested. And likewise, Paul applies this uh, in a spiritual way. That if we sow from our sinful flesh, we do things to please ourselves, to please our sinful flesh. On the surface, it might seem like nothing's wrong. But Paul says there's changes taking place on the inside. Sin is taking root. And you can only cover it up for so long. Eventually, because you've given in to sin, it's going to show itself. And eventually, there'll be a harvest. And if you sow from the flesh, the final harvest is destruction. It's, the, again, the principle of the sower um, and the seed. Likewise, in your heart, in your sinful heart, if you thought about and then you've done something that obviously is a sin and it's unrepentant, it's not okay. It's hurting you. On the inside, it's taking root. And in time, it will, you will reap destruction. And the danger is, as we sow from the sin nature, it can reach a point where we are trapped once again. We are uh, slaves to sin. Now, now, Paul again warns about this. We are not to use the grace of God as a license to sin. But he also looks at the other side of it. You do things to please the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is indwelling you. The Holy Spirit is leading you. He is guiding you. He is giving you God's word. And as we, in a free nature, restored in Christ, do things to please the Holy Spirit, even difficult things, at first, it may appear like no change, right? What good did this do? But on the inside, thing, changes are taking place. And in time, over a growing season, um, the, the, the reaping is incredible. Yeah, the, the results are what God wants. Now, how does this all tie together? Well, Paul kind of combines these, these two principles of the sower and the seed and sin and the faith nature. And he tells us, that we have a responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ concerning our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are our brother's keeper. And we have a responsibility if we see someone in Christ going the wrong direction, God is saying, I want you to know what to do. I want you to help that person uh, turn from their ways. Maybe it's a brother or sister in Christ who is self-medicating with alcohol or drugs to overcome the stresses of life. And they are now addicted to drugs or alcohol, and you know it. Maybe it's a loved one who has been secretly fulfilling sexual desire through pornography, and it was hidden, but you became aware of it. And they think nothing's wrong, but they are now addicted to pornography. Maybe it's a grandson or a granddaughter who, in order to get good grades to get into a good college, has decided to cheat on tests and exams. And you get a note from the teacher that they have cheated on a test. 
And you might say, well, when I was the same age, I did the same thing, and, and, and you, you want to overlook it. But you're aware of a problem. Maybe it's a friend who is a Christian, maybe from a different church body, but they're still a Christian, and you found out that they, they are cheating on their spouse. Again, what are you to do? Are, are you simply to ignore a wrong-way driver? Is that okay? Or do you have a responsibility in taking some, ac some action? So our, our text today, God through Paul, lays this out uh, for us, what it is that we are to do. Now with that in mind, listen again to the opening verse. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Whose responsibility is it? Us, right? It's not just leaders, not just pastors, it's, it's, it's all of us. But you should. So how is it then that we are to turn someone back to repentance? The first thing, the first fill-in is deliberately. Deliberately. Should. That's actually a, a weak translation, by the way. You who are full of the Spirit should restore that person. Should almost sounds like, well, it's a good idea, ought to do it, right? But not really a big deal if you don't. It's not that way. It's actually a command. Uh, it, it says, you who live by the Spirit, you restore that person. You do it. Don't rely on somebody else. Don't rely on a pastor. Don't rely on 911. You, you have the responsibility to do it. So we are to deliberately be willing. Now, is it easy? Is it easy to confront someone in their sin? It's not. It's not. Some of the hardest things I've ever done have been to confront somebody in their sin. It's not easy. But you know what? It is absolutely the right thing to do. And at first, there might be no results. Like, what good is this? And, and you might be wrestling with, but I've done the same thing. I've been there at one time. Who am I? By the way, Jesus had a parable about this. And the, the, uh, you have a... Uh, a speck, you see a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, and Jesus said, um, but you have a plank in your own eye. Did Jesus say, don't remove the speck of dust in your brother's eye? He didn't say that. He said, first remove your plank, right? <laughs> then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We are to remove the speck. But again, we, we wrestle with these things, but God says, you, we all have responsibility to restore the person who is going the wrong way in life. Verse 2 puts it this way, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will, will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. Sin, once we give into it and it grows within us, it overpowers us and it controls us. And we lack the strength to, to, to get out of it. We're trapped. And that's why we need each other's help. Right? With somebody else's help and a loving uh, Christian who's confronting it, uh, then we are to bear each other's burdens. 
Again, we have a responsibility to those who are currently caught in a sin. So a person caught in a sin is not to be ignored, excused, or destroyed. They are to be restored. Restored, that's what God wants. Brothers and sisters, if someone caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. So deliberately, and secondly, we are to restore them firmly, yet gently. Restore that person gently. By the way, the, the word restore in the original Greek language, it's a medical term. It's katartizo. Uh, katartizo, it's a word used by a doctor who resets a bone. A doctor resets a bone. Now, Ethan broke his arm this week. Somebody slid into him, third plate, right? Uh, his his bone is, uh, arm is broken. And when you, went, when you go to a doctor, you have a broken bone, you, you don't want them to, to do it incorrectly, right? If it's not set correctly, you're not going to have full strength back. You want them to be firm enough to know exactly the, the position of the bone to restore it. A doctor has to be firm, but he also has to be gentle, right? You're too rough on someone with a broken bone, there could be lasting consequences as well, right? So we have a responsibility to each other to restore the person caught in a sin, but Paul says, do so, restore them firmly, but gently, like a doctor. So deliberately, yet again, gently, and firmly. Now Paul goes on uh, with that. He says this, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Um, sometimes when we help a person who's caught in the burden of sin, again, we, we, we want to help them we're well aware of what it is that's happened and they're, they're caught in this sin. But unfortunately, the devil will use that exact same thing. And we have empathy, right? We're trying to put ourselves in their shoes, trying to understand. But the devil may use that empathy against us and tempt us in the exact same way. So God wants us, again, to restore the, the person that's going the wrong way. And we are to do so deliberately and gently but firmly. But thirdly, Cautiously, watch yourselves, or you too may be tempted. Now, I'll just say from personal experience, this is how it works for me, and it might be different with you, but I, I want to help people. By nature, I want to help people. And as you try to help people, sometimes you take on their problems. So what was keeping them up at night, all of a sudden is what's keeping you up at night. Right? So you have a desire to help, but sometimes you, you take it so far that, that you're taking on, again, uh, what the position they're in. And again, likewise, Satan can use that against you. You can be tempted because in wanting to help, perhaps you have done too much. We are to help, but you are not that person's savior. I am not your savior. Jesus Christ is the only Messiah. And help that person restore them, but don't replace Christ. 
Otherwise, again, Satan is using that against you. He is tempting you with your good desire to help that person. Verses 4 and 4 through 5. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to somebody else. For each one should carry their own load. Each one should carry their own load. Now, how do we understand this? Aren't we to carry each other's burdens? Carry each other's burdens, and then Paul says here, but each one should carry their own load. Is that a contradiction? The word carry is the same, by the way. Carry each other's burdens. Each one should carry their own load. The answer is this. A burden is, is different. It's a different word than load. A burden is something that I do not have the full strength to carry. It's impossible for me to carry that burden. A load, though, is something that I must carry. So, so here's how it works. That we are to help each other and confront each other in love about sin, desiring to, to lead that person to Christ where, where they can repent and, and, and turn from that sin. Um, but if I make somebody too dependent upon me and I want to take all their consequences away for their actions, then they're not carrying their own load. We do have a responsibility, and we're going to talk about this uh, next week with the fruits of repentance, right? If I sin, I am forgiven in Christ Jesus, but many times there are consequences to my sin that may last a lifetime. Um, I must carry that load. That doesn't mean I'm not forgiven, but likewise, if I want to help somebody, I want to make sure that they don't become dependent upon me. Help them, but for them to become unnecessarily dependent upon me, I've done the wrong thing. So we are to be interdependent upon each other to carry each other's burden. However, we also must take responsibility to the person that has repented uh, to, to carry their own load. Now, the fourth thing that we are to do, again, to help a person uh, lead others to repentance, is that we are to do so prayerfully. And this point is not explicit in the text, but the greater context of Scripture talks about this. Uh, Ephesians 6 verse 18 says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray for all the Lord's people. My friends, we are to lead others to repentance. Do so prayerfully. So you see a fellow believer and there's something not quite right, something different about their behavior. Um, ask God why. Lord, why is this? And, and, and prayerfully consider, again, the help that you're trying to give. You don't want to unnecessarily you know, burden someone or guilt someone that hasn't done anything wrong. But if they are truly trapped in a sin, we have the responsibility and we are to prayerfully um, ask God why. And then ask God, are you asking me? Are you asking me to lovingly confront this person? Again, God says he uses us uh, to do so. And, and therefore, we are to do so uh, prayerfully. Verse 10 says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. 
Friends, Jesus has invested everything to save us from our sins. There's no greater sacrifice than to sacrifice your very life. Jesus put it all in the line. He shed all of his blood for every one of us. We are the body of Christ in this fallen world. God desires to use us. The Holy Spirit is, is leading us. And the Holy Spirit wants us to uh, do things empowered by him and do the tough things, again, to the, to the glory of Christ. Now, as we go forward today, keep in mind again that a U-turn is totally possible. Uh, God leads people to repentance all the time. And let's be willing as the body of Christ to say, Lord, use me in the right way. If there's somebody in my circle, a loved one who is living in a hidden sin, please bring it to the surface. And, and allow me, Lord, empowered by you, to lead them back to you, prick their conscience, help me to be a Nathan, like Nathan came to David in front of his sin. Lord, make me a Nathan, make me willing, and, and help that person, that loved one, to turn back to you. Well, they, they will be completely restored to the glory of Christ. Friends, we all have that obligation, and let's ask God to give us that willingness. Amen.